Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapters 1 and 5. Ephesians chapters 1 and 5. We're continuing a series on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. This is the third of four sermons that I'm sharing with you about the Holy Spirit. And today we're talking about the idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul is the one who talks about that the most. And we will read one verse from Ephesians chapter 1. That'll be chapter 1 verse 13. And then we'll skip to chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, where we will begin reading with verse 8. So Ephesians 1, verse 13, and Ephesians 5, beginning with verse 8. In chapter 1, verse 13, the Apostle Paul is talking about the fact that when you and I became Christians, the Holy Spirit entered our lives. He indwelt us at the point in which we received Christ. But He didn't fill us. There's a difference between the Holy Spirit coming into your life and the Holy Spirit filling your life. Ephesians 1.13 And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Okay, so at the moment you're saved, if you're a Christian, the moment you invited Christ into your life, trusted Christ for your salvation, the Holy Spirit came into your life to live and has been there ever since. Now, chapter 5, verse 8. Paul says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit. We don't hear that much about the Holy Spirit in our day, and that is a shame because we need to hear about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that person of the Godhead that you and I will encounter the most. When we experience God in our lives, the person of the Godhead that we will encounter the most often, maybe the only person that we encounter, will be God 
the Holy Spirit. And so it's good that we stop for these four weeks and we think about who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit has done and what the Holy Spirit is doing and what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's just recap very quickly. First of all, we talked about who the Holy Spirit was. And you remember that we said that the Holy Spirit is a person, not an it, not a creature, not a thing, not a ghost. He is a person with the attributes, the character traits of a person. He is a friend. Jesus said an advocate, somebody who is totally sold out for you, wants to be with you, support you, protect you, affirm you, encourage you. The Bible also teaches us that the Holy Spirit is God. When Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5 came up and, and gave a gift to the church and they made out like they had give, given everything they had when in reality they had not, Peter said to Ananias, he says, Ananias, why have you allowed Satan to fill your heart so much that you have lied to the Holy Spirit, he said. And then two sentences later, he says, you have not lied to human beings, you have lied to God. Thereby equating the Holy Spirit with God. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about God. He is a person, He is a friend, He is God. What has the Holy Spirit done in history? We talked about that uh, last week. And you note that uh, we said that the Holy Spirit was involved in creation. The second verse of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, says that after God created the heavens and the earth and that the earth was a formless void, the Bible says that darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Holy Spirit hovered across the surface of the water. So the Holy Spirit was involved in creation. In the book of Judges, we find that the Holy Spirit would come upon some of the heroes of our Old Testament faith and empowering them, empowered them to do things they could not do on their own. So the Holy Spirit was involved with creation. The Holy Spirit empowered Old Testament heroes. And then Peter tells us in the New Testament, talking about the Old Testament, he said, he said whenever these, these prophets and these writers wrote God's Word in the Old Testament, they did not write their own opinion. They did not write uh, uh, out of their own uh, desires, but rather the Spirit of God came upon these men and carried them along as they were writing the Scriptures. So the Holy Spirit was involved upon the writers of Scripture. And then we talked about what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives today. If you want to know what is He doing, I don't sense Him doing anything. What is He doing? One thing He does, He convicts us of sin. When you as a Christian... Uh, are doing something, or thinking, or contemplating of doing something, and back in your mind there is there is something that is that is telling you this is not what you need to do. For a Christian, that presence that is trying to uh, keep you from doing something wrong is the Holy Spirit. He convicts us of sin. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit teaches us. Jesus said, "When I go away." The Spirit of God, the Comforter, the Advocate will come and He will teach you everything that I have uh, revealed to you. So He teaches us. The Holy Spirit is always pointing toward Jesus. Anything that we think the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives that does not point toward Jesus is probably not the Holy Spirit. And the Bible does tell us that we can be fooled by the other spirits that are in existence in our world. Many of them look, feel, taste, and sound just like the Holy Spirit, but they're not the Holy Spirit. The Bible also tells us that, that the Holy Spirit 
knows us in our weaknesses and helps us in our weaknesses. The Holy Spirit also prays for us in our weaknesses. When we get to a place where we literally don't know what to pray or we're in such a shape that we can't even utter up a prayer, it is comforting to know that the very Spirit of God is praying for us, always knowing what the will of God the Father is. He's interceding with God the Father on our behalf when we can't even pray for ourselves. The Bible also tells us that the Holy Spirit reveals God's will for our lives, Jesus' purpose for our lives. So the Holy Spirit is a busy person. The busiest person in the universe is the Holy Spirit. Today I want us to talk about this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite uh, preachers is a black preacher by the name of Tony Evans. If you've ever heard Tony Evans, you know he can light a fire in little time at all. Tony Evans one time talked about a man who went to buy a refrigerator. His old refrigerator had died and he decided it was time to get a new one. Except this time he wanted to get the fanciest, nicest, high quality refrigerator that his money could buy. And so he went down to the store and he, uh, he uh, discovered the best refrigerator they had. It had all the bells and whistles. It was made of stainless steel as, a, as opposed to some sort of uh, a facsimile surface. And so uh, he got that refrigerator and he had it brought home. It cost thousands of dollars more than the old one that he had, but he didn't care because he wanted the very best refrigerator he could have. He wanted to be able to walk up and just press a button and get all kinds of ice. He wanted to be able to get a drink of water without even opening up the thing. He wanted a freezer in it that would hold everything he needed, plus a refrigerator that would, that would hold all the, the stuff that he didn't want frozen, but he still wanted cold. Everything he wanted was in that refrigerator. And so he got home with his refrigerator, and he got all of his stuff, and he put it in the refrigerator and all the frozen stuff in the freezer. And then he went to, went to bed saying, man, I've got the best refrigerator money can buy. The next morning he got up and he wanted to go get some stuff out of his refrigerator and he opened the refrigerator up only to find that everything in it was spoiled. What in the world's going on? He opened up his freezer and everything was melted. Everything had thawed out and it was worthless. He ended up having to throw it all away and he called uh, the... Uh, he called the fellow down at the store. He said, look, he said, I, I paid thousands of dollars for the very best refrigerator that, that uh, my money could buy. In fact, the very best refrigerator you all have. What in the world happened that this thing has quit working? The man said, well, open up the door and see if the light comes on. He opened up the door and the light didn't come on. He said, well, uh, why don't you uh, pull the refrigerator out and look in the back? There's a place where you can plug it in. Pull the refrigerator out and see if it's plugged in. He pulled it out and sure enough, it wasn't plugged in. He said, well, that's your problem. You've got to plug it in. And the man said, well, as much as I paid for that refrigerator, it ought to work without it having to be plugged in. <laughs> Evidently, many of us think that that's the way the Christian life ought to work. That we ought to always be spiritually fit, that we ought to always be biblically in tune, that we ought to always be, be right in touch with our worship without ever having to plug in and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Three weeks ago, a man and I went down to the Gulf for a week, had a great time, and on the way back, uh, I was uh, getting down about a quarter of a tank of gas, and I pulled into a shell station to get us uh, a drink and to uh, fill up with gas. 
and filled up with gas and pulled out and hadn't gone 30 minutes down the road, my car started sputtering. And my car doesn't sputter. It was sputtering, sputtering, coughing. Sounded like a person with a bad cold. And it did that. And it's done that ever since we got back. And I said, man, something's wrong. Took it to a fellow to work on my car. And we had some dirty gas in that car. I had filled up at that shell station with gasoline that was full of trash. Listen, you have to be careful what you fill up your car with. You have to be careful that you're plugged in your refrigerator. And you have to be even more careful what you fill your life with. The best thing that a Christian can do is to do everything within your power to submit to God and allow the Holy Spirit to fill your life. Now, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Let's just talk about that for a little bit. First of all, I want you to know that all true Christians have the Spirit living within you. Just so we, we're all on the same page here. You say, well, I'm a Christian. I can, I can tell you about the time when the Lord came into my life and saved me. But I, I, I don't know enough about the Holy Spirit because we don't talk about it that much. That's true. We don't. We don't talk about it nearly enough. But, but you may wonder, well, is the Holy Spirit living within me? If you are truly saved, the Holy Spirit lives within you. Well, when did the Holy Spirit come into my heart, into my life? The very moment that you gave your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches us that God's Holy Spirit comes into your life to take up residence. His address is your name and my name and our names. A person who who is lost and has not received Christ into her life or his life does not have the Holy Spirit living within them. The Holy Spirit does not come in to a person who is not receiving Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. That's what Paul was saying in chapter 1, verse 13, when he said, when you believed you were marked in Him, in God, with a seal, that seal was the promised Holy Spirit. But, but being indwelt by the Holy Spirit is not the same as being filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, the second thing I want you to note is that not all believers are filled with or controlled by the Holy Spirit. Spirit. The idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit is one of being fully controlled by the Holy Spirit and influenced by the Holy Spirit. Thus, the idea of being filled by the Spirit is more of an ongoing sense of God's control over your life. Why is this such a problem for us? I'll tell you why. We don't like any outside control. We resist anybody or anything trying to exert control on us. It is against our natural tendencies. We like to be in charge of our own domain. And that means we don't like anybody else telling us what to do. It also means that we don't like God telling us what to do. So every believer in Christ has the Holy Spirit living in him or her But not every believer has the Holy Spirit filling their lives. Which brings me to number three. Whatever fills you, controls you. Whatever fills you, controls you. You see, you are an empty vessel that refuses to remain empty. The human 
body, the human heart, the human soul, the human life is designed this way. God has made us empty with a void that is God-shaped, can only be properly filled with the Holy Spirit of God, the presence of God. Now, some people say, well, I don't, want, uh, I don't want God controlling my life. I don't want anything even worldly controlling my life. I want to control my own life. My friend, it's not possible. You cannot remain empty. A- an empty vessel will not remain an empty vessel. It will be filled with something. And whatever fills you controls you. And fourthly, if worldly forces fill up your life, then worldly attitudes will control your actions. Are you, uh, do you have a tendency toward uh, short fuse anger? Do you have an anger problem? Well, my friend, if you are full of anger, anger will control your actions. People will see you as an angry person. If you are filled with chronic grief, maybe some tragedy has happened recently. Or maybe something's happened in your life that has brought grief in your life. Grief is, uh, is not a sinful emotion. We grieve. We are made to grieve. Jesus grieved. The Holy Spirit can be grieved, according to the Apostle Paul. But chronic grief, if chronic grief fills your life, then grief will be what characterizes your actions. If you are filled with selfishness and envy, if even your best friends, when they succeed, there's a little tinge of envy and jealousy and regret that your friends succeeded when you didn't. If you are full of envy and greed and selfishness, those will control your lives. So if worldly actions fill you, then worldly actions will control your actions. Now, it's also possible for some good things to fill your life and become bad. Listen, if you feel, let's just say, for instance, family. Being filled with family, love for your family, that's a great thing. We need more of that in our world. We see uh, uh, children who don't have that. We see uh, families that are just split apart. I mean, you walk into the home and without even hearing much of the conversation, you can, you can take a knife and cut the tension with a knife. Love of family is a great thing. Being filled with love of family is a great thing. Let me tell you when love of family gets, becomes a bad thing. When, when your love for your family exceeds your love and, and willingness to obey God, then your love for your family has filled your life in a negative way and will result in you doing things that are contrary to the will of God. It is possible to be filled with good things that turn bad because they turn your attention away from God. And He is to take first place in your life. So if worldly things, even worldly things that start out good, fill your life, they will control your actions. Number five, if the Holy Spirit fills you, however, then the Holy Spirit will control your life. That sounds... uh, like I say, negative to us on the surface, especially to the contemporary mindset, because we don't like anybody controlling us. There are cultures where it's accepted that that somebody is in control, somebody has authority, or some group has authority. But in our Western culture, we don't like people having authority over us. And so the idea of the Holy Spirit controlling us is something that we immediately, our default position is to put up our hands and a big brick wall and, and resist it with everything we have. But here's the deal. The best thing that you can do in your life is allow the Holy Spirit to fill your life. 
to give him control of your life. It's the best thing for you. We may not like being filled with a certain kind of medicine that, that, that our doctors prescribe for us. And we can resist having that, that medicine being put in us. And yet, that medicine is the very thing that will help us overcome whatever uh, health condition we have. The Holy Spirit entering your life and filling your life so as to allow Him to control your actions is the very best thing that you can do in life. At the end of last week's sermon, I mentioned Dwight L. Moody, D.L. Moody. He was a shoe salesman who turned uh, evangelist in Chicago, Illinois, back during the 1800s. D.L. Moody, when he became famous, was in high demand everywhere for preaching evangelistic crusades, and he was invited to come to uh, London, England, to preach a crusade in London. And not all the clergy in England liked it. Why do we need this moody to come preach a revival here? He's not educated. He has no theological experience nor, nor qualifications. I mean, he's a shoe salesman. Why on earth would we invite him over here? Duh. And one of the ministers, an older minister in London, pastor one of the, the largest churches, said, says, why do we need Moody in here? Does D.L. Moody think he has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? And a younger minister raised his hand. He said, he doesn't think he has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit, but we want him to come because the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on him. You and I don't have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit. That's absolutely impossible to have a monopoly on God. But the real question is not that do we have a grasp of God. Does God have a monopoly on you? Are you at this moment, if I, if I were to come to you personally, I'm not going to do this, but if I were to come to you personally and call your name and say, are you filled with the Holy Spirit to the point that this day, right now, you can honestly say the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on your life? Could you say yes? On a scale of zero to ten, with zero being not filled with the Holy Spirit at all and ten being totally full of the Holy Spirit to the point that He controls my life, where are you on that scale? Now, don't be too hard on yourself on that scale, but don't be too gracious either. Be honest and be objective. Folks, it's not enough to know who the Holy Spirit is. We need to know who he is, but it's not enough. It's not to know, enough to know what he's done or even what he wants to do in your life in terms of convicting you of sin and teaching you about Jesus and glorifying Jesus and so forth and so on. The most important thing about the Holy Spirit that you and I need to know is this. He wants to fill you up. And you and I need to let him fill us up. Because it'll be the best thing we ever do in life. Now here's the, uh, here's the caveat to it. It's not a one-time thing. Those cups that I was filling up in front of Dane and Cullah. The reality is. That that old gunk is constantly being poured in, and so it's going to take us constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit to get that constant flow of gunk out of our lives. Where are you on the scale of zero to ten of being filled with God's Holy Spirit? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father.
I thank you for your Holy Spirit. The very presence of God who enters us the moment we're saved. And Lord, I never know the condition of the hearts of the people, not everybody who's in any church service. There may be someone here who does not know you. They don't have your Holy Spirit living in them because they've never invited you to be their Savior and Lord. And Lord, if that is a person here, I pray that during this invitation they will come. Not worry about what people are thinking or what time it is, but just come to the front and say, I want Jesus in my life. Then, Lord, for those of us who are Christians, who know you as our Savior and Lord, Lord, we're in a constant struggle with the gunk that is in our lives, that that is continuously being poured into us. And, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to allow your Spirit full control so that you can help us glorify you and reflect your image. In Jesus' name, amen.